Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Anna Back. Anna has 20 years in experience across marketing, finance, innovation, technology and management with, with a professional background of top management positions across major startups and listed companies. Anna is now on the board of several companies including Permobile, Nordnet, but her main fo focus nowadays is being CEO and board member of Kivra. If you're based in Sweden already, you have most likely already heard of Kivra. If you haven't, Kivra is a service which allows you to collect letters, receipts, and other important items to document digitally. It's secure, easy accessible, and better for the environment. One interesting fact about Anna is that she was born in China and can speak fluent Mandarin. Unfortunately, I cannot. So today's interview will be in English instead. I came to meet Anna through one of the engineering managers at Kivra, where we've since discussed her passions and what drives her in her work and industry. So today we'll be talking about creating a great product. Um, and I'm delighted to be joined by Anna. How are you doing today, Anna? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Brilliant. I've been informed uh, Anna has a dog called Simba who might pop up on the podcast, fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully not too much that we have to edit uh, him out. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> um, what's the weather like in um, Sweden today, Anna? It's clearing up. It's actually, I went up at six this morning to play tennis early and then it started to rain. So that was cancelled, but now it's uh, sunshine. Wow, playing tennis. To be honest, most of the people I speak to in um, Sweden play uh, paddle. Yeah, paddle yeah. I, I do sometimes with the with the kids just for fun. But uh, I prefer tennis, playing tennis, and, and time is limited, so you have to choose. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, speak great segue into let's get cracking. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, Anna, first question. Um, Kind of, how has your background uh, and experience uh, shaped your opinion on building a great product? Um, I think, yes, yeah, so I, I had a background of starting off, off as a CTO for a startup telco in the late 90s. And I think at that time, uh, it was a bit more siloed. Even a small company was a bit siloed in, 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 in more waterfall processes like customer service and marketing and sales sent their wish lists to tech and, and we made them happen so to, so to say and then throughout the years uh, I happened to sort of uh, accidentally come into a design and innovation uh, agency uh, as a leader and uh, learned a lot around user-centered innovation and then yeah everything has changed since late 90s the ways they're working and more with cross-functional teams and really understand users and centers and and together innovate products so I think um, I started in design innovation in 2010 and uh, stayed there for in, in two different agencies for nine years and uh, three of these years in China working with uh, many of the large tech companies such as LG, Samsung, Huawei and so on. Uh, and I think it, it formed a lot on really understanding people and making relevant services but also understanding where things are heading and like mega trends and and try to find painfuls and pain points in people's lives and, and how you can innovate on, on sort of building on trends and technology that is coming and solve actual problems in people's lives. So so how was it pre like 2010? Yeah. What you mentioned now in the process in terms of using waterfall. But yeah. how was yeah. it in terms of the interactions with users at that, at that time? 
Uh, I um, yeah. So my memory is not the best. It's deteriorating. <laughs> I remember <laughs> all the great things we've been doing, but uh, I cannot see that we did a lot of uh, user research in terms of understanding pain points and using. Um, user input for innovation rather using user uh, research to sort of more testing uh, um, let's say processes and flows and do people understand to navigate on the web page and so on for that you used you had had user research or, or interactions with users but not so much in in like innovation space what do actually people need for uh, making their lives better and so on and then also that the, I would say the interactions with within the company also was a bit more uh, each department working more separately uh, compared to how you work today, where you sort of a lot more integrated and really these cross-functional teams and so on. Anna, what what were the um, so if you think of your ability to um, help Kivra over the last three three and a bit years, what in your previous companies, what were the defining moments that allowed you to be ready for this challenge at Kivra? Like, was there someone you worked with? Was there a specific company and the way they did things? What what was your experiences that allowed you to do this? Oh, actually, so the so it's a lot around both. I think building competence, uh, relevant competence throughout the years, but also uh, relationships. So uh, one of the co-founders and previous CEO of Kivra, Stefan Kruk, was the uh, founder or co-founder of the telco I worked in in the late nineties. So uh, at that time, I was CTO for uh, nearly eight years at that telco. I had a few other roles as well. Uh, and he was uh, founder and CEO for uh, most part of that time. And then um, yeah, we sort of kept in touch, in touch not, not frequently, maybe once a year or once every second year. And then he contacted me around four years ago that, uh, that he, and I had met him a few times throughout the Kivra journey as well. And then he said like, now I feel it's, it's time to, for me to, to step back and have another position. And I'm, I'm, it's going really into a scale up phase. And he asked whether I would be interested to be CEO. And Stefan is now the chairman. So uh, it's, it's great to, to work with him again. So I think, and I, I feel I've collected a lot of different experiences throughout the years that uh, that sort of uh, are really relevant for, for taking Kira to the next step. Mm. Um, and then when you and me first spoke, Anna, um, I asked you what your passion was, and it was very clear that creating a great product was. Uh, now, as CEO, you could have other passions. Um, in fact, the amount of hats you have to wear, you could have several. But why was it creating a great product? Why was that your core passion? I think I've been working with product development or service development throughout uh, my entire career in, in different forms. And and uh, what is great with Kira is that that has been the core all the time, thinking that having a great product, which is a lot around having great content coming into the product. So... And that is really relevant for people uh, and then supporting them in, in sort of doing things right. Like when you receive invoices, you get reminders, you, you can easily pay them and so on. Uh, so uh, for my, me, that was really, really natural to build on sort of the journey where Kira already was, but, but then uh, make it even better uh, as, a, as a service and, and create a, getting even more content in and, and uh, making it more relevant for people. So uh, by building, so now we have 5.3 million Swedes using the service uh, every month. And um, 
that's actually 75% of the working population in Sweden. And still, it's, it's, I think it was 1,600 new yesterday. So every day is like 1,000 new people joining, which I, I think is absolutely fabulous. And it's not thanks to a lot of marketing or brand building. It's thanks to the brand building is really making a great product that people love. And also, of course, the being a trusted channel for everybody sending into the service as well. So we have now 36,000 companies and organizations, everything from the tax authority, uh, huge insurance companies down to really small, uh, like a hairdresser sending their salary specifications there. So, so uh, to make it relevant for everyone, I think that's, uh, that's been my passion. Then working with great people that are yeah, stretching, uh, stretching both me and, and, and uh, the product into to the next level. Love that. Um, for our listeners, uh, could you set the lay of the land? Um, what when you joined Kivra? Yeah, what 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 was the state of play when you joined? Uh, so, um, in terms of numbers, I think it was around three million users at that time. Uh, yeah, it was early two thousand nineteen. And um, maybe 10,000 companies sending into the service. Uh, it was a very trusted service working closely with uh, many uh, governmental authorities that sent it. Uh, had had very stable service. So it's, it's like, you know, it's always working. It's uh, your data is safe and secure. And it was on a growth journey. Uh, and uh, the app rating was 3.3. So that was a bit worrying. And then... Yeah, generally, the, it hasn't put that much effort to sort of highlight different functionalities that were in the service. And also, there are a lot of other functionalities that easily could be added. So, we took it on a journey both to sort of scale up a lot of internal processes uh, so that we don't need to, for example, register every sender manually. So, now we can scale with some weeks. We have a thousand new senders coming into the service and it's uh, totally automatically. But then also uh, starting to uh, build a better sort of uh, home for new services coming in, like the receipt service we have implemented after that. Uh, and also add on functionality and improve functionality around services. So, for example, we managed to get the COVID certificates from the authorities and then we also put on it on an offline mode. Everything is normally behind than Swedish bank ID. But this one we realized hmm, maybe somebody is standing on a small airport somewhere in the world and have no Wi-Fi, no 3G or whatever. And then they need to, to manage to get their COVID certificate. So I think it's a lot around these sort of um, micro functionalities improving substantially the content you get. Okay. And then so over the last three years, um, how have you changed the kind of the team setups and the recruitment and the tech to kind of help you on this journey? Um, yeah, so we have scaled up the organization a lot and especially in tech, that's been the focus. So when I joined, it was maybe around 15 to 20 people and uh, very few people within uh, UX and design and uh, sort of um, more everybody working together on one service because it was really just one big functionality. Uh, and since then we split it up to uh, a number of uh, product, product teams that are sort of truly cross-functional with having back-end, uh, front-end, uh, iOS, Android, and, and UX, UI in each team, and the product owner that really owns that product, and, and trying to set overarching um, sort of strategy and goals, and then really uh, having the, the teams being very responsible for their 
the development of their part of the service, for example, the receipt or the payment service and, and so on. Uh, and um, and then we have uh, set like a design system and and um, more graphic language and and also tone of voice and so on. So that should be coherent throughout the whole uh, user experience. Okay. And they are around like product tech and, and design and data data capabilities we built as well. We did not have that. So uh, more of analytics and, and uh, understanding and, and so how we also can elaborate and improve the service by understanding the users both quantitatively and qualitatively. So now I think it's around 80 people in the, in the tech area. So if you're sat in one of these product teams as either an engineer, someone in data, someone in UX, or even the product owner themselves, yeah, yeah, what's the experience like now? Uh, I hope <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, yeah. I hope the experience is that you really feel uh, responsibility for your area uh, and uh, understanding how the user. Um, behave and uh, what more you could add on to, to improve your uh, area, both in terms of more sort of innovation, but also more, yes, smaller improvements. But then you also have a, a strong collaboration across the teams and have also a home, both as let's say an airline engineer, both has a home in the product team, but also in their uh, sort of backend um, group. Okay, and then I suppose why why do you believe uh, Anna that setting the teams up like this and the way you've done it um, allows uh, products to be built better or built great? I I really see that that uh, to use all uh, different areas of capabilities and experience in in. Um, in the sort of uh, setting the product roadmap and understanding what we could do uh, really improves uh, both the, the actual outcome but also the speed of it uh, and uh, to understand the users throughout the whole company is is essential I think to to really make the good decisions um, and uh, yeah I believe we can can build a better product faster and and more relevant in this setup and that it's also more fun to work in this way yeah is, is the how did the um you mentioned before about the was it the covid uh, passports was it almost yeah yeah how did the company uh, kind of pivot through that stage and think about uh, the Kivra product itself um yeah so actually it, it was a really interesting journey so we have been wor working cl uh, closely with the authority for digitization dig digitaliseringsmyndigheten in swedish uh, yeah. throughout the years and uh, so that was sort of one pillar for making this happen and then another part was that we had been internally thinking a lot on what are we now we were a digital mailbox and then we added receipts so now we are digital mailbox with receipts but what what would we actually like to be and then uh, i think it was the summer 2020 we worked through and came up came to the decision that we want to be a better place for dina viktigheter so a better place for your important stuff but actually this word viktigheter does not really exist in swedish so we tried to sort of claim this word oh and, right and then came 
in early. So half a year later comes this uh, sort of we getting the information that there will be a COVID certificate. Uh, it is the, the digitization authority that get the, the, um, asked to, to create how this should work from the government. They, they say you should find a solution. You have three months to find it and, uh-huh. and have it implemented. And we realized like, uh, this is just exactly what we want to be and better plats for Dina Victor. This is one of the most important stats that's coming out 2021. <laughs> and for the citizens, instead of having yet another app where you should have this uh, or store it in, in, in some place, uh, it has to be super relevant that you have it in, in, in um, Kivra. And we have done actually quite a lot of user research around vaccinations. And pe- that's one of the things that are top of mind of sort of administrative stuff that you really want to keep track of and that you don't. So that people would love to have their vaccination cards in, like uh, generally for all kinds of vaccinations in Kivra. So we felt this was so relevant. So we started the dialogue with the, with the authority for digitization and, and ended up that they built this, what they call um, a certificate machine where you go in to a, a, a specific uh, homepage and you ask for this certificate. And if you have a digital mailbox, it ends up there. If you don't, uh, it, uh, you can just download it from the site. Uh, and then we developed the offline mode as well. So uh, all this was done in like a couple of months time and launched 1st of July, 2021. And, and from that came a huge, uh, user growth so we grew with 1.1 million users last year uh, but I think what it was also a big sort of move in terms of what the brand is mm. we've um we've in that specific instant you mentioned the user research was very important do you think user research at um Kivra is a culture or is it a specific someone's specific role to do that or is it a bit of both I think a bit of both Mm. There are people who have it as their specific role, but we try to always invite um, um, others to join. So they mm. used to always ask, and I think this has this has improved immensely when you started to do user research more digitally, because before it was also often like the, the qualitative was either in a like a buddy group or focus group or one-to-one conversations, and then you can't have 10 people joining. That feels super strange. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But when you started to do it, it's over uh, Google Meet instead. Uh, then we always ask the user, "Is it okay if a few colleagues join?" And and then it's a Slack channel saying like, "Okay, this user uh, accepted," and then uh, people can join. So then uh, experts are having the interview, but others can listen in. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I've been on a few of those where there's 10 people asking me questions and it does feel very strange. Uh, so you might have cracked it there. Um, you mentioned, you talked about the teams earlier on and how they're set up. Um, how is the direction of the company um, um, set? As in like, you've got your product teams um, and then in terms of yourself, in terms of the C-level, the boards, yeah. How do you decide which way you're going? Yeah. In creating a, a better product or a new product, or is it bottom up in terms of them deciding what to do next? I think in, in terms of um, de- product development within the existing products, it's quite bottom up but or, and top down. It goes both ways, I would say. Yeah. Uh, 
terms of setting new uh, strategic bets, so to say, like large chunks of new things. Yeah. Uh, uh, definitely decided by the management and board because that's larger investments. Uh, the the um, sort of inspiration or idea on what these bets could be, uh, that could be either top management or board that have come up with ID, or it could be someone in the organization working for having an idea and sort of working it through and having maybe quite a long dialogue on, on finding like this is uh, an area where we can be really relevant. Um, so I would say yeah, um, the actual ideas on where to head could come from, from anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but the decision to make like larger bets that's let's say we put the whole new product team on developing something that's uh, that's a board decision since it's a huge larger investment you, you briefly mentioned before about data yeah and how much is data now involved in creating a, a great product um it's i would say it's uh, we are a bit in the beginning of the journey there still we have uh, uh, improved and involved it a lot the last two years but uh, still uh, we have quite limited um, uh, ways of, of uh, actually really testing uh, easily with like m multiple kinds of tests and so on so are, we are having a, a clear plan of where we should be at this time next year but but um, yeah it takes a bit of time to build it. And, and can you give our listeners, uh, which are mainly Swedish, um, uh, well, people based in Stockholm, really, um, can you give any insights into what the new products will be or any new things that are coming with Kivra? As I think that the two large areas that we have uh, or have just launched or are in, in, in our um, launching within soon, that's uh, both a, a premium product for users, so it's uh, it will cost twenty or it's it costs twenty kroner a month. It is actually launched, uh, but it's just in the start of of sort of adding functionality. So we we say it's a bucket strategy where we'll put a lot of uh, different functionalities. Uh, so it's everything from uploading uh, upload and pay invoices we will add signature services and we will add a number of other features that we know people want we would love to add vaccination cards but there isn't a, a, a good register where we can find them so you will have to add them yourself <laughs> if you should keep them and we're looking into if there are relevant areas around pets and and, and housing and so on so we'll, we'll see exactly what will be part of it but uh, it is uh, it is launched and, and it's actually growing uh, and we will work hard to get to both improve that product but also to to get it in a sort of better home setting within the app so it's it's clear that it exists so that part like the new home view is launched on android but not on ios so we have had a few issues there uh, i hope it will be launched before summer vacation and then on the small businesses side, so we have a hundred thousand small companies that have Kivra as their digital mailbox. We're working a lot on on sort of premium functionality, both that we have a scanning service. Uh, and that is launched that you can uh, set Kivra as your address and then we scan all your postal mail so you don't need to worry that things are getting lost or 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 you don't see it when you're on vacation. And you can also share this with your accountant but it's we're also working hard on getting the accountant systems to pick up uh, the, the the documents uh, from from the mailbox so it, it will be more sort of digitized um, 
journey fully for all your, your receipts and invoices and stuff. Uh, and that's uh, sort of in the making part of the product is launched, but we are uh, working a lot on, on other parts as well. It, but then, it, yeah. I was just going to say, it really does feel like you're thinking of the user in all these decisions. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, uh, I think we, we really try to figure out how we can be more relevant for the user. Um, and, uh, and I think there are, are definitely uh, a lot more we can do. Um, you mentioned pets there, by the way, um, on uh, getting vaccinations and try, trying to solve that. H how's Simba at the minute? Simba is doing really well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he has uh, left my room. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I have a 13 years old son that is uh, hanging around somewhere in the house. So maybe he, he thought he was more interesting than me. <laughs> uh, we won't be offended. Um, <laughs> by the way, you, you mentioned um, this is one of those moments uh, that I was sat there listening going, oh, I wish I, I, wish I could use this product in Sweden. Um, question, uh, is is the product just in Sweden at the minute or is, there, is it in any other countries or intended to be in any, any other countries? Yeah, so we have launched in Finland uh, and uh, around two years ago and we decided to do a joint venture there with a few large senders in order to sort of, because our vision has been to build a, a digital infrastructure for Sweden and we think if we should build a digital infrastructure for, uh, for Finland, uh, both we want to kickstart it a bit more, so get the faster process than Sweden. In Sweden, we've been around for 11 years, and I think yeah. the five was really, really slow. slow. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, so we launched two years ago, uh, and we have a lot of senders in there and, and getting some really exciting collaborations. And we just see now see user growth starting to pick up uh, the last couple of months. Mm. And that's also through um, a very relevant content, another wichtig hit. And we are doing a collaboration with the uh, event industry. So having tickets going, event tickets like concerts and, and soccer games and so on, going into the into Kivra and then you know for sure where you have them and, and so on. And uh, I think the event industry has seen a very complicated time throughout uh, COVID where uh, events have been continuously moved forward and people have lost their tickets and not kept track on what's happening and so on. Uh, so um, that's sort of where they saw this has become extra relevant right now. As someone who's recently got a dog, and someone who likes going to concerts and gigs and football matches, this app seems very, very relevant <laughs> uh, to me. Uh, so I'm very much getting quite excited, but then also realise that unfortunately I'm in Sweden for about two months of the year and I don't live there. Um, so not as relevant for me. Do you know when you're talking about uh, in Finland, how different do you think uh, building a great product in Finland is as opposed to Sweden in your domain? I think there are a lot of similarities uh, and a lot of similar, like the, and both like the Finns and the Swedes are quite digital and, and yeah. also do trust like government institutions and banks and so on and, and trust to have all the data in one place. So I think that part is really important in order to succeed. And then in Finland, we don't like in Sweden, we have this bank ID, which is like used for all services and, and quite, um, 
quite cheap, even though it costs. While in Finland, you don't have a similar, but but you have similar ways of, of verifying from the beginning that the user is is the right person. Uh, but then it's a bit different in sort of verifying that the, the user actually is the user in, in every content sent. Uh, but I think we have managed to, to overcome that challenge, uh, which we saw as one challenge. Um, but then it's been a lot of the, we have built our service, like our user growth has come from the, the, the content that the user receives. So it's the declaration, then the tax, tax authority was really pushing for it. Uh, it's been the COVID certificates. It's been a lot of large senders sending. We have uh, a law that says if somebody's taking a credit check on you, you need they, that person, the, 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 the consumer needs to get a, a copy of, of that credit check. And, and all these different flows we have used in order to find micro moments where it's relevant to, to join uh, Kivra. Right. And uh, we have not found the same micro moments in, in Finland. So I think that's been one challenge. Okay. Um, and I suppose finally, um, if you are a software engineer, someone in products, someone in data or user experience and listening to this po- uh, um, podcast, why would you join Kivra? Oh, I think it is uh, a great service. It's really loved by the user uh, and people are really using it and find it relevant. So if you want to build a service that it's actually loved by the people using it, it's, it's great. And I think it's also a, a really, really nice company culture. Uh, and like we have a very high ENPS, for example. Uh, and and uh, I think we are really trying to listen to people and, and, and jointly develop and uh, um, create the service and and having a culture where it's where we continuous improvements. Uh, we try to measure and learn. We're sharing insights and uh, uh, it's allowed to fail and and learn and and do better next time. Anna, you've been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Simba, if you're still there, you've been a pleasure too.